Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. In the Gospels, Jesus gives us many metaphors to show us what a relationship with him looks like. It is like a blind man who now sees, a deaf man who now hears, a lame man who now walks, a lost man who is now found, and perhaps most poignantly, a dead man who is alive again. And these are very powerful images because they do help us to see. They help us see reality as it is. They help us see ourselves as we are. They help us see ourselves as God sees us. They help us see ourselves as we can be, what we can become, and what God wants for us. Accordingly, the Apostle Paul also offers some images about living the Christian life. If we are to follow Jesus, what does that mean? How are we supposed to live in this troubled and transitory life? In 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul compares Christianity to a race. Do you not know that a race, that in a race that the run, in which the runners compete, yet only one receives the prize? Therefore, he says to the church, run in such a way that you may win it. And in the same chapter, Paul uses another image. He compares the Christian life to a boxing match. He says, I do not box as though I'm beating the air, but I punish my body and I enslave it so that after proclaiming the gospel to others, I myself should not be disqualified. And finally, when Paul perceives that his earthly life is coming to its end, and in training his protege, Timothy, to take his turn at contending for the faith, Paul writes to him. And interestingly, he uses a similar imagery of fighting. We heard it this morning. Fight the good fight, Paul says to Timothy. Fight the good fight. And if Paul were standing before us this morning, I'm confident he would say the very same thing to us. Because the fact is, the fight continues. We're all fighting. Everyone has some idea, some ideology, some ideal, some way of life that he or she is fighting for in their time on earth. And these battles are going on all around us every single day day. And in a world that is hell-bent on the destruction of Christians and Christianity, the question before us as Christians is not whether or not we're going to fight. The question is how? How do we contend for the Christian faith in our day, in our age, in our time, in this place right here in southwest Fort Worth? And the answer, my friends, might surprise you. Where some would want to counterpunch with retaliation to fight fire with fire, so to speak, the Apostle Paul has a different approach in mind altogether for the Christian. You see, right after he tells Timothy to fight the good fight, he says this, take hold of eternity. 
Fight the good fight by taking hold of eternity. Think of that. Think of that. In a world where people want to shout and to stomp others into submission, and when they can't do that, they simply strike them down altogether, Paul cleverly and significantly changes the rules of engagement for the Christian. Don't go there. Don't do that. Don't fight your battle. Don't fight the good fight according to the ways of the world, the flesh, and the devil. But reframe the fight. Refocus the conversation. Reshape the way others might begin to think about things. And in this, brothers and sisters, we have a point of leverage. Because the Bible says this in Ecclesiastes 3.11. The Bible tells us that God has placed eternity inside each human heart. In other words, everyone in some way at some level is aware that there must be more to life than this. Whether a person has or has not yet believed in God or trusted in Jesus for salvation, no one wants to believe that all of the joys of this life simply end in a meaningless eternity of death. And moreover, no one, no one wants to live in the futility of anger and anxiety and depression and fear, just to name a few things. So I want us to notice this, that in Mark's gospel, the very first thing that Mark puts on Jesus' lips is this. Jesus says, the time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent, he says, and believe this good news. In other words, my friends, do not despair any longer. Do not despair. Repent. Think again, consider another way, a better way, and change your mind. Believe the good news. My friends, Fox and CNN neither run the narrative nor control the world. And what is this good news? The good news, Jesus said, is that the time is fulfilled. Not sometime in the future. The time is fulfilled now. What time? The time that God has appointed to bring his kingdom to earth. And how will he do it? How will God's kingdom come? It comes in Jesus Christ himself who took on flesh and dwelt among us. And he made eternity manifest for us and he invites us to take hold of it. To what shall I compare the kingdom of God, Jesus said. It is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour, and when it became mixed with the flour, it leavened the whole loaf. Again, Jesus said, to what shall I compare the kingdom of God? He says it is like a tiny mustard seed that grows into a great tree where birds of the air come and they make their nest in its branches. And again, Jesus says, the kingdom of God is like a merchant seeking beautiful pearls And when he finds even one pearl of great price, he sells everything he has to buy it. 
Here, not only is Jesus revealing the immeasurable and incomparable value of the kingdom of God, but he is imploring us to give everything we have to attain it, just as he gave everything he had to attain us. Friends, if we think that what we Christians are working toward involves a pair of wings a cloud, and a few lessons on how to play the harp, frankly, I can't think of anyone who would aspire to such a mundane existence, especially for all of eternity. But if we believe we are fighting for something else, something greater, something much more glorious, a place where we are no longer bound by the shackles of sin and the sting of death, and we dwell in the perfection of fellowship with God and at peace with our neighbor, a place where everyone will prosper and none will lack, enjoying the fullness of all that God designed and desired us to be, then I tell you, that fight, the good fight, begins here and it begins now because Jesus said that time is fulfilled. Our old friend C.S. Lewis says it this way in Mere Christianity. He says, if you read history, you will find that the Christians who did the most for this present world are just the ones who thought the most of the next. The apostles themselves, he says, who set on foot for the conversion of the Roman Empire. The great men and women who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade. He says they all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. Aim at heaven, he says, and you will get earth thrown in. Aim at the earth and you'll get nothing. Friends, do we yet know the power we have in our hands when we take hold of eternity in our heart? Let me paint a picture of what that can look like. When we hold eternity in our heart, we have the power to answer the most important questions that are lingering in people's hearts. What are we really doing here? What is actually the meaning of life and what does happen when we die? And how can I be forgiven? How can I be freed from the guilt and the shame and the pain and the bondage of my sin? Does God love me enough to do that? And the answer, my friends, is yes, he does. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. And in those times and in those places where the answers don't come easily or perhaps don't even come at all, we have the power to walk with people in their deepest and darkest places of pain, reminding someone that God has not abandoned them, forgotten them, nor forsaken them. And that, my friends, is how taking hold of eternity becomes a powerful counterpunch for the Christian. This past week, over 30 of us from our beloved parish 
Christ the Redeemer, attended the New Wineskins Conference in Ridgecrest, North Carolina. Many of them are still there this morning. We joined with nearly 2,000 bishops, priests, deacons, laymen, and women and children from all over the world, about 12 to 1,500 in attendance and 5 to 700 watching online. Did I get the math right, Charles? Okay, close enough. My friends, words can hardly describe what we experience in coming together, but let me show you a picture. Wait a minute, that's the bear we saw when we were there. Charles told me to say that we bear with one another. I'm sorry, I wasn't going to go under that bus. (laughs) Here's what it looks like. And I couldn't even capture the whole scene. Story after story of brave men and women who are fighting the good fight all over the world. Some of them couldn't even be videoed because they're on the front lines fighting the good fight for the gospel. But all of us were banding together for the spread of the gospel. Some, as I said, at the very tip of the spear. What a joy it was. What a joy it was to be among 1,500 Christians from around the world who are holding eternity in their hearts. And if I can bring some of that same spirit back to us here at Christ the Redeemer, I would do it by sharing the simple but powerful theme of this year's conference. Be the one, see the one, share the one. Be the one, see the one, share the one. Be the one in a world full of people who are desperately wondering what's going on, who are even hell-bent on destroying themselves and each other. Be the one who refuses to repay evil for evil, but overcome evil with good, as Paul says in Romans chapter 12. He declares, do not take revenge, my dear friends, but leave room for God's wrath. For it is written, it is mine to avenge, says the Lord. I will repay. On the contrary, Paul says, do this. If your enemy is hungry, feed him. If your enemy is thirsty, give her something to drink. And in so doing, my friends, see the one. Who is it that God has put in your path today, tomorrow, this week? I get it, we're all busy, and this is not meant to guilt anyone, but to prayerfully discern who is the one that God might be putting in your path. In what way might your witness help that person in some small way even take hold of eternal life and finally see the one? Rather, finally share the one. The Christian story, my friends, is the most powerful story ever told in the history of humanity. It is the story of God's redeeming love reaching out to us to grab hold of our hearts, calling us to repent, to think again, to believe the good news that the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. How? By causing the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk, and the dead to rise again. And charging all who would call upon his name to fight this good fight by taking hold of eternity. So can I give you one more image from the prophet Isaiah? 
And then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I replied, here I am. Send me to be the one, to see the one, and to share the one. 